Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Frey, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. What's going on, Don? What's up, Cam? Just uh, living the dream here in California, trying to live the race car dream, but I should probably move back there if I want to live that dream. The race car dream, it is, uh, it's kind of like that unicorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that uh, the unicorn you can never catch. Well, the only people I ever hear talk about the unicorn are the ones that are heavily medicated. So maybe that's the other option I need to be on. Maybe I need to get me a good therapist with some medication. There you go. There you go. So what are we on episode three now? So what are we gonna? What are we talking about today? First off, three really? Yeah. Oh, man, they still haven't canned us yet. Okay, moving, moving right. right along. Hashtag still here. Yeah. Uh, so we said we were going to talk about travel within the motorsports industry. Travel within the motorsports industry. Oh boy, this is uh, this is one that I can relate to big time because, as like you, I'm sure um, you travel a hell of a lot, like I do. Yeah, I guess when you really think about it, uh, from motorsports, you know, we all have these huge overhead expenditures for our racing, and it doesn't matter whether it's NASCAR or dirt track or mm-hmm. go karts or motocross or whatever it can be diesel fuel airplane flights getting from point a to point b whether it's a small team a big team uh no team it, i mean well yeah that's the people don't realize you know yeah we talked about with episode two about going racing and getting getting set up to go racing right so you buy your car or whatever and then it's like now okay yeah let's go racing well you don't realize how much it costs to actually do that. And okay, where are you going to go race? So, you know, being in California, we're kind of limited on track. So we have to think ahead. Like, you know, we have to travel, you know, at least six hours. Like if it's not Pomona, which is 40 minutes or Fontana, which they just do like local, they have one divisional a year. Other than that, like we're going to Arizona, way up North to Sonoma, like all over the place. So, I mean, you have to factor in days off work and you know, all that stuff in order to, to get dialed in. So, well, yeah, and I would think, you know, back this way, every time we go to, to lay out an event a schedule, you know, we look at what fuel prices are, where's, I mean, cause diesel prices, if you stop at a, a chain truck stop, if you will, that's got all the space in the world. I mean, you're literally paying anywhere from 20 to 35 cents hot, more a gallon for diesel fuel than, you're getting when you go to just a regular convenience store to get diesel fuel. So I mean, oh, yeah. we do, you know, we got to look at all that, and I can only imagine what a, what's a call, what's a gallon of diesel fuel in California. Oh, dude, it's it can be upwards over four dollars a gallon. Is it four dollars a gallon right now? Mm-hmm. I pay well it, just for regular gas. I across the street from my house, the Chevron was what was it three ninety nine just for eighty seven gas, and diesel I think was. Four ten, I think. Yeah. Do you, guys, do you guys pass out drug tests out there to those guys? <laughs> Everybody out there that owns a convenience store should be drug tested. Uh, agreed. 
Or at least the people that put the prices up on the board, they should be drug tested. Well, it's really it's really sad when like the like they spike the gas prices around here because they like they run out of like number four. <laughs> so like if everything is four dollars a gallon, they have to like you know you can see like they'll tape up like a four on one of the on one of the signs or whatever because they rent you know it's just usually it doesn't get over that, but lately that seems to be the the growing trend. So get used to it. Four dollars a gallon. Guys- you guys got bonus plans out there where, you know, you so many gallons, you get 10 cents off and stuff. You guys Actually, got- we do. Uh, like with the grocery stores for like Chevron and I think Shell, like some of the bigger names, like if you shop at their sister grocery store, like if you spent, yeah, I mean, you got to spend a bunch of money there. So I usually steal my parents code and, uh, but it can be like 10 or 20 cents off a gallon, which I mean, sounds dumb, but yeah, it adds up at the end of the month. Heck yeah. Cause I'm back here. I'm like, I got all the girls' cell phone numbers are signed up. You know, you get 10 cents a gallon, but you only get the max out at 20 gallons. So, you know, uh, the, truck, well, the truck holds more than 20 gallons. So I'm like entering this. Emily's code goes in, then Claire's code goes in, <laughs> code goes in. Okay, now I'll put mine in. All right, I can get 80 gallons of diesel fuel. I'm saving 10 cents a gallon. That adds up. Yeah, hell yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that's a huge thing that, uh, you know, people don't realize and, you know, it affects me greatly because I mean, my, my budget's very limited and on, you know, travel and whatnot. So, but I mean, even like with our business stuff, I mean, traveling for race pack and stuff like that, when I go to an event, like it's a lot of money, like just flying to an event, getting a hotel, getting a rental car, doing some rental car exploits while you're out there, you know, all that stuff adds up food, you know, that that's a huge thing. And like, I'll tell you, dude, I have the worst travel luck you will uh, if you ever travel like (laughs) physically with me i don't recommend it like todd in the office at at race pack he refuses to fly in an airplane with me because every single time i get on an airplane it's delayed (laughs) like when i was doing a lot of tech for race pack like i would i would fly somewhere and they'd be like all right see you on wednesday because like the race is over on sunday you usually fly home sunday night or monday well yeah it's if you fly with cameron yeah you're probably gonna show up like three days later yeah so, so what's that about? So the, the airline industry's got you like red flagged or something? Dude, I have no idea. I don't know if it's when I put in my TSA pre-check number or what, but they're like, oh, Cameron's here. Like, you know, maybe we should delay this flight. I can't tell you. Dude, you name it. Like, I was somewhere on a layover one time and I couldn't get on the plane because the toilet backed up and it broke the pipe on the toilet and there was feces or whatever they said over the intercom all over the plane. And so, yeah. We had no plane. So then we had to like stay the night and get a plane in the morning because they ran out of planes. I mean, you name it. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in the Houston airport, the Atlanta airport, the Oakland was big for a while when I was driving the funny car, man. It was, dude, I sat at that. It would literally be like, I'm not even from Oakland and I would go to the bar and the guy would be like, oh, hey, Cameron, what's up? Well, I mean, hold up a minute. Why did they call you bad luck on that? Who wants a pipe to bust while you're flying at twenty five thousand feet? Well, well, yeah, maybe it was. There was a yeah, there was a silver lining on that one, possibly. Yeah, that's that's luck. I'm I'm going, man. I'm a lucky guy today. I could have been flying with with poo. Yeah, nobody wants to fly with poo. (laughs) No, it it is. People don't. uh, you know, I don't fly for for a lot of our races. Actually, man, I what's a TSA pre check? What is that? Oh, you don't know that? 
And you're a racer? Oh, dude, it is the best thing since sliced bread. So, I mean, at least here, like our airports, like LAX, Orange County, like it's a disaster every time you go there. So, what it is, you go and you get interviewed, you pay like 50 bucks for seven years. And you, when you go through TSA, like, or the screening or whatever at the airport, you just roll in and they check your ID. You don't have to take your shoes off. You don't have to take anything out of your bag and you're in a special line. Yeah, it's like a front of the line pass. And when the line is like 20 miles long <laughs> at LAX, you're like, what's up? Makes you feel like you're Matt Damon or something. The TSA took that straight from Disney. That's <laughs> straight out of Disneyland. The yeah. fast pass, is that what they call it? Yep. That's the, the TSA fast pass. They actually have one for international travel too. Like if you're going to Canada and stuff, um, they have, uh, my wife has it. So you literally don't even go through customs. You just walk through and they have a card and they scan your eyeball and off you go. It's pretty cool. Scan your eyeball. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I don't have any. I don't have any of that stuff. I don't fly. I drive a lot. Do we have like pre-check for calluses on your hands from holding <laughs> onto a steering wheel for eighteen hours for days on end? Do we have any of that? You must be a door car guy if you if you're clenching the steering wheel that hard. <laughs> oh, hey. Have you seen the way some of these people drive around you when you got eighty-five feet going down the highway? They're trying to cut you off. Yeah, try to do that in L.A. Yeah, I did it in Chicago. It didn't work out too well. I moved from there. No, yeah, it's it's a it's a big it's a big situation. I will say, you know, but you know what? Um, you know, I know you don't travel a lot on airplanes, but it's something like I mean, we're we're talking about this. Whether you're traveling, I mean, people that travel all the time, they 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 learn these things that it's just like, oh god, like if I ever own this airline. I would do this, this, and this. And it's like people that don't travel, like I have friends that like they just work in an office or they're reps locally or whatever. And they're like, oh, you're so lucky you get to travel so much. And I'm like, it sounds really cool until you're literally sitting in an airport for nine hours waiting for your flight and, you know, battling the people to get on the plane, somebody sitting in your seat. And then you got to argue with them because they're wrong and you're right. And, you know, I, you know, I, this is my first time flying or whatever. Like it's, it's, it takes a toll on you and it stresses you out and then you get to the racetrack and then it affects your racing, unfortunately, sometimes. So you gotta, you gotta really like buckle in and strap in and, and do that. When I was driving the funny car, um, the one year or two years or whatever, um, I traveled a lot cause I mean, we did Canada, we did like Washington, like that whole like Western, uh, you know, Northwestern deal. So I was on a plane a lot and you get there and like, they would look at me and they'd be like, damn dude you all right <laughs> like yeah i just had like three layovers and you know every single flight was delayed i had sprinting from one plane to another and you know because i can't miss it i mean you gotta get in a race car so but uh but yeah it's it's something that uh people don't they want to go racing and they forget about all this stuff you know that's that's the biggest thing but at the end of the day like i really do love it and you know it sounds like a grind it sounds mundane once you do it all the time but to be honest there's nothing like getting on a plane and saying you get to go drive a race car on the weekend and, you know, or even going to a racetrack, like, you know, people see, it's funny. You can tell when you're on a plane, you can see the people that travel a lot. Like they all have like the same style backpack. They like know like all this stuff. It's like, okay, that guy's an industry guy. Like, especially like, it's funny. Like if you fly to PRI or SEMA or something like that out of, you get on the plane and it's like the the SEMA bus because like everybody's you know the race pack backpack you know on my back this guy's got the K and N backpack this guy you know all the CP piss or whatever it is around here it's like hey what's up 
the Bose noise canceling headphones. <laughs> yeah. So they act like they're listening to something so no one will talk to them. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's little tricks of the trade like that. Yeah. Well, see, that sounds like you get, you know, when you're, when you're getting all stressed out at the airport and stuff, it sounds like me pulling into a stacking line, get to a race and you're stacking oh, and we're dude. all getting out of our vehicles. And, and if you, if you've ever pulled up behind me or be in front of me, or I pull up behind you from that standpoint and I get out my, it's typically me and Diane yelling at each other because she's so upset because I have lost my mind driving through these little towns and people not paying attention. And she's like, you know, the highway is the, is, you know, share the highway for the world and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm bigger. Get the hell out of my way. Can you not, do you not have situational awareness? Do you not see where I am? You're you're trying to make a right hand turn and you, you're bigger than the whole, the whole uh, town or city. And and I'm getting my wife's like you're so ridiculous. You got road rage, and I and I'm like I'm looking for somebody to to kind of validate my thought process in the stacking line. You know, I'm like, hey, 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 come here, come here. Did you see that back there? I know you you saw it. Oh man, I saw it too. See, Di, I told you it's not just me. You know, I'm looking for that validation factor of of trying to calm down before I get out of an intersection and want to choke somebody. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a stressful thing. Like when you're driving a rig or, you know, you have a huge, uh, living quarter, like a gooseneck trailer, right? And a dually. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 85 that, feet long. 85 feet. Whoo. That's pretty stout. That see. So that, I mean, just getting in that to go to the racetrack, people don't realize how stressful that is. I mean, you can, that can kill somebody just as easy as a race car can, or if not easier, because there's so many other elements, people cutting you off and, getting on the freeway and people don't realize that you need to get on the freeway at a high rate of speed and not 30, especially when you have a rig coming at you at 75 miles an hour. <laughs> or, or you're trying to educate people on not pulling up to fill up their gas vehicle at the only diesel pump on the outside in the gas station. Oh, yeah. yeah perfect. Go ahead. Oh, fill yeah. up your soccer van while I am trying to get diesel. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a... Uh, it's the same thing. So I like when I go super comp racing or or whatever. Like when we race our stuff, I have a thirty two foot like mini toter and a thirty two foot trailer. So I mean, it's still de- relatively big. It's not a huge stacker toter thing that's ninety feet long. But I mean, just driving it around town, like it's it's tough, man. It's you know people don't get it. People don't get it. No, not not at all. Not at all. How about how about the other? So, you know, we, we, we loaded up and we're leaving. We've planned our trip and stuff. So my, my next favorite one is always trying to figure out where you're going to eat at while you're trying. It depends on parking. Uh, right? right. And if, and if you're, um, you know, if you're riding in, in the, the truck that I'm driving, you're probably only eating when it runs out of fuel. Yep. Yep. And you're only going to the bathroom when it runs out of fuel too. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, uh. That's a, that is always a challenge because there's only so many places that you can get rigs in to be able to eat. Yeah. And, and, and I gotta, you know, now this is, this is kind of my thing from all those years driving, you know, crisscrossing across the country doing the army thing. So like I had truck drivers tell me all the time, you know, don't eat, don't eat a big meal once the sun goes down because you'll get tired and you won't make it. You'll fall asleep, right? So I've always remembered that. My wife gets mad. So, like, if, if, if the sun goes down and I know I'm driving through the night, 
there's no eating going on, right? So you better just have like all kinds of snacks. Yep. And she la- she laughs all the time about that. Well, it's true. Your body gets lethargic after you eat. I mean, imagine eating a turkey dinner and then going and, and sitting on the freeway for 12 hours. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. So the, the whole eating thing, uh, travel, you know, I guess you, if you're eating airport food, I'm sure you probably got, you know, you guys out there on the West Coast come back this way all the time. I'm sure you got the right restaurants in the airports across the country. Oh, I got to yeah. go to Sabaro or, or, or uh, yeah. Samaro and, you know, and Dude, you got to go. To- Chick-fil-A is my go-to, man. I love Chick-fil-A. <laughs> oh, yeah, Chick-fil-A in California? <laughs> we just, like, within the past probably five years, we've gotten it. And it is heaven. My wife does not like Chick-fil-A. I cannot get her to eat Chick-fil-A. Man, I thought I liked her. And she's a... Um, you know, yeah, it just not. She's not a big Chick Fil A. Everybody else in the house likes Chick Fil A, but she just doesn't like Chick Fil A. Could you imagine how much money somebody like In and Out Burger could make if they were in an airport? Oh yeah, it'd be huge. There, well, the problem would it shut the airport down because people would probably go there just for the the burgers, and you know they'd miss their flights all the time, which maybe would help me get on a flight instead of. Oh. You know what I mean? That's actually a pretty good idea. I should I should look into that. See if we could yeah, start a petition. Yeah, call uh, uh, Lindsay. Right, call yep. Lindsay up. Send her a text and and tell her that we think she should get like In and Out Burger at LAX. Uh, LAX. <laughs> I was thinking like Chicago or Nashville because those are two of the typical ones that that if I fly, those are the ones I'm in. So yeah, we I'd like it there. And then uh, I guess probably the next one would be like somebody like Portillo's. Portillo's would be another yeah. good restaurant that they should have in an airport across the country yeah but okay speaking about speaking about restaurants and stuff like that you see you fly out of nashville all the time and for one i love nashville and one of the reasons is when you go to the airport there's like country music playing and like it's just like you're like down home like you get off the plane and it's like time warp you know i just got on a plane at lax and everybody wants to kill each other because they hate their lives and then you get there and they're like how y'all doing and then the guy's like playing like his acoustic guitar at Tootsie's or whatever it is. And it's like, damn, man, this is, this is, uh, I like this. Yeah. You go from gangster rap and LAX or blaring through the loudspeaker to, uh, yeah. to the, I try, the guy trying to make it on, uh, I'm going to be a big star sitting at the bar. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's for sure. No. And that's, uh, now I got to go back to food. Cause that's, you know, the, the family I work for, they're big, big foodies, right? They love food. They find all the restaurants that are off the beaten path. If you ever travel across the country and you want, and you want to know where to go eat or something like that, all you got to do is text JB or Tori or send them a Facebook message and they will, they will tell you if it's got a drag strip there and we've been there, they will tell you the best restaurants to go to <laughs> that are not a chain. That's kind of like our, I say our, like our internal rule, right? We don't eat anywhere when we're on the road that we couldn't eat right here where we're at. You just don't, you know, you don't just, nobody's going to McDonald's. and you know, There's a McDonald's here, you know, you try to, you want to eat something different. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a good thing. Like, I mean, that's, see, that's part of the cool, fun part thing about traveling. I like, get to go see and do things you, you don't usually do at home, you know. So, I mean, that, that makes it cool. Now, I have to ask you when we talk about food, since you being a racer, how many Outbacks have you been to in your life? Oh, geez. A lot. Uh, especially before I started working, working here, uh, when I was traveling for the army, it seemed like there was every, every, uh, residence in, 
because uh, we're our big military army was big Marriott. Uh, every residence in had an outback nearby, and they almost all of them had um, Waffle House. Oh yeah, see, we don't have that here. There is some in Arizona, but, but yeah, Waffle House. Oh, and you guys have uh, Cracker Barrel. We don't even have that either. There's like one around here, like up in the like on your way out of town, but I don't even like that place either. You don't like Cracker Barrel? No, I'm not a big breakfast guy. See, the Waffle House is about the extent of my breakfast. Uh, I can do that, but yeah, definitely all, all those travels. Outback, Outback, Zaxby's. I love Zaxby's. That's always a, a good, safe go-to, especially late at night, especially in Charlotte. hate that. It's right there by the racetrack. Yeah. You can go right there to Zaxby's. But yeah, I, I am a big fan of eating uh, certain places. PRI, we've got to like... You know, we try not to share it, but, you know, we have like a little food list. We have a rotation of the restaurants that we go eat when we're at PRI, but they're like, like one of them is downtown. The yeah. rest of them are out. Is the so, is it uh, Harry and Izzy's? Is that the one that's... No. No. Oh, that's not the one downtown. Oh, wow. No. wow. Don't See, tell me. Can, you might have to show me at PRI. Yeah. Have to, you know, because and, and that's... Uh, Louisville is the same way. You know, you go to Louisville, there's, there's certain restaurants around there that we like to eat at. So yeah, you got to take, uh, Chicago's the same way with that beaten path, good food. Uh, you got to have that, got to have that, uh, nutrition, nutrition, uh, for your, so, so, so far with motorsports travel, we have bring your patience on an airplane, bring your patience in your rig when you're driving. And make sure you find really cool food that's not, I guess, what is it, chain? You're talking chain, chain stuff? Yeah. Unless it's, say, unless it's Chick-fil-A. Yeah, we say no chain, no yeah. chain. No chains. Okay, so now I guess the next question would be, when you're traveling, now we've talked, it's very stressful, it's very serious, and you know it, it can also be fun as, as you go too. But I had a, a friend recently that uh, got in a little bit of, trouble in his rig and this is it's a very good friend of mine and he was driving and it could have ended very badly and all it was is he ran over a bolt in his motorhome and lost the steer tire and his motorhome unfortunately ended up in a river with his race car trailers and stuff so basically my all I, this is my public service announcement to everybody that's getting into racing or already into racing just make sure and be careful. You don't have to go 95 for one, and which he wasn't. But unfortunately, he ran over something which blew his tire, which his tires were good. All I'm saying is make sure you check all of your stuff before you go. And and he did. And unfortunately, he like I said, he ran over something, but it could have been very bad. Unfortunately, his motorhome got totaled in his trailer and all of his stuff. But luckily, that's what insurance is for. And another thing, if you guys don't have motorsports insurance you should probably look into that as well when we're talking travel because you never know what can happen oh absolutely i so now so we we've talked about you know being patient and food and stuff we can start down the path of horror stories so i i've got like what do i have i've got uh yeah four good ones one really good one um two actually uh, going to uh, going to Bowling Green not too long ago, probably eight years ago. Um, was going to Bowling Green, 
was crossing through uh, Louisville and actually lost an axle in a dually. Ooh. Rear axle. Going down, going across the bridge and just nothing. One tire turning, one side turning, the other one not. And uh, was stranded there, traffic backed up, uh, got rescued by Irvin Johns, you know, oh, drive. Yeah. Yeah, got a towing company in Louisville. He's all over the Midwest. He came, towed all my stuff off. Um, so that that was bad. Had one where I lost, honestly, lost both rear or outside, lost the outside rear tire going around an off ramp at 20 miles an hour. It just rolled off, rolled Ooh. off, didn't damage the fender, didn't knock the fender off, just took off. Out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so that was, that's, you know, uh, one of those things that you go, golly, gee, what in the world? And now my most recent one, and I mean, when I say recent, like it still hasn't been fixed yet. Um, coming back from Minnesota, 12-hour drive. I'm nine hours into it. Going through Peoria. Hit the on or off ramp, and it's got like 15 potholes in a row. Oh. And there's no sign that says rough road or anything. And you're just, do you see the signs? 35 miles an hour. Make this off ramp turn. Yeah, I'm not speeding. I got, you know, I'm not going 100 through this turn. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boop, off pops my tailgate as I'm going through the turn and stuffs it through the front of my living quarters. Very uh, nice. Yeah, right through the two doors right underneath the, the overhang. And so, you know, it's things happen. They do happen. People lose tires all the time. They, uh, I think Diane lost her mind once we were coming home from a test session in Bowling Green and lost, you know, I've got a triple axle trailer, lost the middle tire on one side. We pulled into a truck stop. This little kid comes running up and he's like, mister, mister, your tire is laying in the middle of the road. <laughs> I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, kid, get out of here. You're, what the hell are you talking about, right? And I go around the other side. Sure, shit, that mug is gone. It's laying in the middle of the road. That's I'm funny. Like, right. So Diane's like, what are we going to do? I was like, we're going home. We got five. Well, what do we need? <laughs> what? Oh, man, she was white as a ghost for the next hour for the ride home from Bowling Green. She was like, are we, we going to lose another one? We'll be all right. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no, it's, I've had, you know, with, when you, when you race for so long, you're going to have some sort of horse stories. I mean, hell, my, my dad, uh, uh, my dad and I have had quite the, the travel issues. There was literally when not, we were racing juniors, there wasn't one race in a year that we didn't have a flat tire. And we had, we rode on, we started riding on our trailer door, our, our pit stop times, how fast we could change a tire. Like we were in NASCAR <laughs> and nice. it would, yeah. So it got, it got down to like two and a half minutes, which is pretty damn good. And that, that included getting it out of the trailer, jacking it up and the whole shebang. But no, it, uh, yeah. My dad said if, uh, if he didn't have any, have any, uh, luck, what does he say? What does he say? Oh no! Have bad luck, you wouldn't have any yeah, luck at all. Yeah, exactly. But no, we're we're very lucky to be able to have these experiences. I mean, hell, I we sat on the grapevine for fourteen hours one time when I, I we had blown up my junior dragster motor. Dra- it was brand new, broke the crank in it, drove home, going up the grapevine, the motor home, like the switcher. This was years ago, like the switcher for the dual tanks. 
it stopped yep. in the middle. So it was starving it for gas because he switched it like halfway up the hill. <laughs> and so it was starving it for gas, which then it kept dying. So which, I mean, you're on a super steep grapevine hill. You got to keep going. So it burned the starter out of it. And we sat, sat on the, like in the emergency lane for 14 hours with the motorhome and trailer because the, we called AAA or whatever. And it was like no service. He's like, Jumped over a fence, fell into a thorn bush. He came back all bleeding because he had to use a payphone, and because our cell phones didn't work, and at this park, and uh, so yeah, and AAA thought they picked up the blue motorhome. Well, yeah, they picked up a blue motorhome two hours away, and like we kept calling, and they're like, "We already picked you guys up." Uh, no, but yeah, which leads me into like I said that you know with the unfortunate thing that happened to our our friend Matt, uh, you know, it, and when. We were broke down for all these hours on the, the grapevine, and I'm sure this happens to you too. My favorite, one of my favorite parts about racing and motorsports, and I'm sure this happens in NASCAR, late model, you know, whatever else, but, you know, drag racing in particular is what I have the experience in. No matter what has ever happened to me on the road, you put something on Facebook or you call somebody, and there's literally 15 rigs in a blink of an eye and you're like holy crap like i have more tools than and resources that i could ever possibly imagine right here at my beck and call and you know that that's what's so cool about racing like you know poor matt when this happened to him there was like nine racers pulled over on the side of the road helping him swim out of the lake and you know do all this stuff and they're taking their time out to do it you know and they they want to help you because they're your friends or, or even if they're they're your competitor they're out there doing what they got to do, you know? And like, I've had people like, Hey, I'm stuck on the middle of the road. I have a friend that like will drive four hours that he's laying in bed at home, bring you apart for your motor home or trailer or whatever, just because that's who they are and they're good people, you know? Oh, absolutely. I got, I got two of those, uh, trying to remember what year it was. Maybe it was like 11 or 12. Maybe it was 13. Um, we were going to Brainerd and Brad Pollard was coming from Seattle. He had done the Western swing and he broke down in North Dakota. Truck, truck blew up. Uh. I, I Dooley. And he calls me. He's like, I don't think I'm going to make it. And I'm like, why? He goes, well, I'm broke down in North Dakota. I'm like, well, how far is that from here? I was already at Brainerd. He goes, ah, it's like four hours. I was like, all right, I'll come get you. Yeah. I had my trailer drive four hours to go get him and back eight hours and then he ends up winning the race weekend so yeah. I, you know i mean it's it's you gotta people will do it for you uh well and that's and that's the thing it's like you don't even really have to ask it's like the untold rule you know like same thing if you blow up a, a part or whatever like you have six motors sitting in your pit you know or whatever by the time you get back from your run after cleaning up all the oil that you just spilled out like it's luckily for the most part everybody in racing is more than willing to help because they've all been in that situation and they, and they understand and they know, I mean, it's, that's, what's cool. And that's what makes racing and travel and, you know, gaining all these friends so much fun with, within the motorsports world. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. And you can, and it will, but you know, there are those people out there that will just tell you that, yeah, they're not going to loan you anything. And you, and you make those, there's a short list of people out there. Oh, I've yeah. heard stories you know, you make it short and just be like, okay, I'll remember your name, buddy. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm not going to put you on social media blast, but <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I got you. I got your number. 
Yeah. So, I mean, but at the end of the day, like I said, we, we, I guess let's, let's review as we, as we wrap this up, (laughs) patience, (laughs) patience, patience, and maybe a little more patience and uh, make sure you have some fun along the way and eat some good food, you know, and, and just, and just enjoy yourself and, and have a good time and, and race cars while you're at it, you know? That's it. It's a lifestyle. It's an experience. Take it all in, the good and the bad. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, as usual, we'd like to thank uh, racepack.com, dragstersforsale.com, and Voice America for letting us do this. And uh, we hope to hear you guys, uh, let you guys listen to episode number four coming up. And we'll see you then. Later, dude. Thanks, man. Let's put-